0: espn college football youtube channel part two of our college football playoff semifinal breakdown if you're looking for the alabama michigan rose bowl kind of all things big picture bowls paul feinbaum and i did that one look for that on the espn college football youtube channel but for the other side of this the sugar bowl perspective we welcome in the great two-time author Texas great NFL player, and my guy on College Football Saturdays, uh, the great Sam Ocho. Sots, thanks for hopping on.
1: Matt Berry, thanks for having me, man. I've been looking forward to getting on with you for a while, and uh, I'm glad we're doing it today.
0: Yeah, be cautious. These YouTube streets are violent, so anything you say <laughs> or do will be used against you on the internet. Uh, you were at the Sugar Bowl. You were part of the Megacast coverage. I'm going to go big picture with you, just just out of the gate, and then I'll start to to dive in, as I tend to do. Just overall, your thoughts on the game, how it finished, the day after from being there, what were your thoughts?
1: Michael Penix Jr., are those those are my thoughts. I mean, this dude was lights out. And, I, I mean, like like some of the throws he made up, so I was covering the game, right, Pat McAfee, cast, I was on the field, on the sideline, right next to Roma Doomsday during that late fourth quarter catch. It was a drop in the bucket, and Roma Doomsday rocked the baby. Like, I was there for that. And Michael Penix Jr. was unfazed. Why, Two things that stood out to me, maybe three. Number one, in the pocket, when he got pressured, and we talked about this on, on college football finals, some of our halftime shows, he moved in the pocket, kept his eyes downfield, and threw 30, 40, or 20 sometimes yard darts. It was amazing. So even when pressure got to him, it was a phase, part one, part two, and Matt Barry, I don't think you would seen this either. I haven't seen this all season long. Michael Penix Jr. used his legs to destroy yeah. Texas when it mattered most, right? I went back. It felt like it ran for 50 or 60 yards. I went back and looked. It was three three specific rushes for 31 yards, but it was at the exact time when Texas needed to get a stop. They ran that little zone read, that kind of outside zone read, and Michael Penix Jr. late in the game took it and ran right down Texas' throat. And So that's the first thing that stood out. Big picture, second thing, maybe we talk about it later, maybe it's now, Washington Huskies defense, they were dominant. Yeah,
0: it, and look, I'm, there was nothing you were going to convince me to tell me in the last, I don't know, three and a half, four minutes that it was going to be a, a final play game. And right. So, and I mean, and there was nothing you could have told me with the, the play designer that Sark is, that four chances at the 12-yard. I thought Texas was going to win this game when they got the ball down to the 12. What did you think?
1: Man, I I I didn't know what to think. I was in that end zone, Barry. I was literally, I was, I was, I was, I guess maybe 10, 20, 30 feet from where that last ball wasn't caught. And I didn't know what to think. And the reason why is this: Texas had that huge shot to Jordan Whittington after that kick catch interference, that 15-yard penalty on the punt after Dylan Johnson got injured. That gave Texas momentum. I was on the other side when that happened, I sprinted to go and to the other end zone. But Washington hasn't really hadn't to that point allow Texas to do anything. We barely heard Adonai Mitchell's Adonize right. Mitchell's name called until that fourth quarter touchdown, right? That was the actual same play, or maybe third quarter. That was the same play that they didn't score on. And so you just felt the pressure, man. That was the thing. I felt the pressure that Washington was putting on Texas, led obviously by Braylon Trice, who had two sacks and at least seven or eight pressures. He felt he lived in the backfield. That's why I wasn't sure the play that Sark called was going to work.
0: So, and that's the big thing for me, that the end end game sequence, I, I there there are so many Jatavian. I mean, there's so many weapons, and I get the last one going to Adnai because he's six four. I don't think the ball placement was particularly good, but. I don't know that those are the four best plays that they left the field with. And, and, and I, I was stu- I thought, I thought they were winning. I was just surprised by how that was handled.
1: Well, I feel what you're saying, because Sark is a brilliant play caller. One of those plays, Barry, after that, that kind of old over the shoulder pass, that when you was through to Jaden blue, one of those plays, they ran this kind of motion. They motioned to Tavion Sanders this big six, four, 250 pound tight end motion from outside to inside. Now in my mind, I'm like, they may be using this play to set up another play. And they motion him. They kind of yeah. sprint out to the right. It didn't work. Then the next, remember the next play, they motion him again, but the play didn't work again, right? As I'm sitting there, I'm watching the DBs from Washington and I'm saying, man, it seemed like there was nothing open. And so I understand how great of a play caller Sark is, but sometimes if I'm a quarterback and there's pressure on me, it doesn't matter how great of a play call it is. That pressure, whether it's Tuli uh, Nasanoa from the inside, whether it's Braylon Trice on the outside, um, whether it's Zion ZTF on the other side, like pressure burst pipes yeah. and it also busts play calls.
0: Yeah, it's just it, it, like, how it got to that point. I'm thinking when they hit the big one to Whittingham, I'm like, oh, yeah. and then the the wonderful catch by Blue. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sitting there going this, this is Washington was the better team for three quarters and 14 <laughs> minutes and they're going to lose. But yeah. ultimately, and I say this, I have the utmost respect for Sark and the Texas program. Um, But I I think ultimately the, the better team won.
1: You're right. No, there's, there's no, there's no disrespect whatsoever. Like the, the, the Huskies played better, right? So, like, you could say the better team, the team that played better, that team won. Now, to your point, Barry, because the Sarkis is a great play caller in Texas, was literally a coin flip away. They were a one second away from winning. I, I got a chance to beat, you know, I was there on the field, and they were doing their ceremony, and I walked in the midst of it. And one of their coaches, one of the associate head coaches, who actually was at Colorado when I was at Texas, remember me? We were talking. And he's the one who said, man, you could have flipped a coin, and one team wins, one team loses. So I think he even understands that if, if Quinn Ewers isn't pressured on that last pass, there was pressure kind of on towards his throwing hand that caused, I would say, that, you know, it could have caused the ball to be a little bit wide. If that ball is caught by Adonai Mitchell, there's a whole different story happening. Football is, in fact, a game of inches. And that would have been a story of saying, man, Texas didn't play good at all. Two fumbles by their running backs. Quinn didn't have a great day. Michael Penix Jr. had an outstanding day over 430 yards and then Texas would have won that game, it would have been an amazing comeback. Yeah. To your point, the better team on that day wouldn't have won.
0: Yeah, and and they didn't take – they probably should have taken a knee. I, I thought Caleb DeBoer and them should have – they could have oh, ended it with geez. knees. That's, and yeah, so that – Like, yeah. so I'm sitting there yelling at the TV. I mean, they got away with it because they, yeah. they
1: got away with it. They escaped. But, but did they? Because on one of those plays, Dylan Johnson got injured. He did. Right. You, but had point, they need it, Had uh-huh. had
0: like had you? if you knee it, you're not putting the
1: Dylan Johnson injury in play. Right, right. So maybe they, they didn't get away with it. Now, to your point, because I'm sitting there, I'm doing it, and I'm like, okay, hold on. And Harry Douglas Harry Douglas played eight or nine years in the NFL, yeah. played at Louisville, uh, played with a lot of greats. It was one of the greats. He said, man, why? the same thing you're saying. He said, why are they not taking a knee? Now, mind you, I'm trying to do the math as well. I'm saying, okay, well, maybe because if you run to play, maybe it's a few more seconds. I want to leave a little bit less time on the clock for Texas, Texas, I'm not 100% sure that all the time would have ran off. Maybe it would have, but I think the bigger story is the injury to Dylan Johnson based off not taking the knee, then Washington not taking that knee, right? They ended up winning the game and it all worked out, but to your point, no Dylan Johnson, that could prove extremely costly, right? This dude over the last six games, over 780 yards, nine touchdowns. I mean, lights out physical, and now he may be compromised uh, for next week.
0: Yeah, and, and and look, I don't based on what I saw. I mean, going into the game, you knew he was battling the foot inji- injury and and how he was taken off. It, it doesn't look great. Um, I I want to get your opinion on on Texas overall this season. They depart the Big Twelve as Big Twelve champions. They move to the SEC. Quinn Ewers, we think he's coming back. Sark's did a great job of recruiting. I mean, if you looked at their skill set, we had talked about it ad nauseum going into the game. Receiver-wise, they were as good as Washington. I mean, they don't have, the, like, Roma Dunze, and those guys are great. Uh, McMillan, all of them are phenomenal. But Adnay Mitchell, Xavier, I mean, they're loaded. So g- give me your overall thoughts on, on Texas as they close the book in this
1: season. Well, my first thought is they're going to be losing a lot. If i yeah. going to be keep it 100, right? Jatavion Sanders is one of the, if not the top-rated tight end in the draft. I'm not sure if he's declared or not, but if he does, that's one major call gone. And mind you, he was the focal point of the offense. Washington played a lot of too high. That means your tight end has to be the one to work the middle of the field. He was a major emphasis. He made a yes. lot of plays in the game. And so he may be gone. Xavier Worthy could be gone. Jordan Whittington, who made the, the biggest one of the biggest plays of the game, he's going to be gone. I mean, and then, and then go to the defense. Uh, you go to the defensive line, Tavondre Sweat. Top round pick, Byron Murphy, top round pick. They're going to have to replace a lot, especially now going into the SEC. Now, I will say this Texas's DBs got torched. There's no, no way around it. If yes. and no if, and it But mind you, a lot of those guys are young. And so when I say young, a lot of some of those guys are freshmen, like true freshmen were playing in high school championships last year. The only reason I say that is not to make an excuse by what, for why they played poorly, but to say this is going to, that loss. Playing against those talented trio receivers and also those tight ends, Devin Colt being one of them and Jack Westover being another one, is going to give those young BBs experience now going into an SEC where there's going to be a litany of great receivers on every side. And so my biggest takeaway is Texas is going to lose a lot. My other takeaway is this, Barry. I didn't think about this off uh, Texas with the SID, right? I went to Texas. I played in the yeah. National Championship at yeah. 09. He was saying that these opportunities don't come by very often right things have to go right like I get it Nick Saban hadn't gone more than three years without winning a championship but sometimes people get injured sometimes uh, the ball doesn't bounce your way and so the fact that Texas didn't capitalize or maybe Washington did on this moment I think I'm not saying it will prove costly but it could prove costly moving forward
0: yeah, because we haven't seen Texas in this spotlight since what was it against Alabama and the
1: Rose Bowl? When oh. was that? Oh, Yeah, oh nine, oh oh 09. 09. I was so, in that game, dude. I was, That's, what, 14, 13 years ago.
0: Right. And that's in a program like Texas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you. It, it's incredible that we you go that long, and we're such prisoners of the moment. But when you put it into perspective, like Texas now – Almost has to restart because they're leaving a league that they could probably dominate every year for one that now includes Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and so forth.
1: Well, I'll say this: I, they don't have to restart because they started that restart about a year or two ago, right? They've been prepping, they've been recruiting. Uh, what well, at least the way that Sark says the reminder I, I did his first, you know, their first spring game. Yeah, I called a couple of their games. Uh, he, he says. I like large humans, right? Like he's been in the SEC. He was a 20 He coach in 2020 when Alabama won, Magnus, yep. all, all those guys. He knows what SEC football looks like. And so he's been recruiting those types of players. That's why you see large humans on the offensive line, right? You see, obviously, Devondre Sweat has been there already, but you're seeing guys like Adonai Mitchell transfer, 6'4", 200 some pound receiver athlete. So Texas is ready. They're not restarting by any means, but I think the road Not I think the road will be tougher. Look at their schedule next year. I think you got Michigan on there. Um, obviously, Oklahoma on there. Right. I think Georgia's on there, if I'm not mistaken. Like the road will be difficult, but they've been preparing for this for the last two Or really, you could say three years, really two years, Once Sark really got his foot in the door.
0: Yeah, and by no means, look, and this isn't a a slight at TCU. They're not some one-year hit wonder where they get into the championship series of the the college football playoff. We're never going to hear from them. But 14 years is 14 years. And if it took 14 years in the Big 12, you wonder. And look, and I said this in the the offseason. I said this in the offseason when people would ask me about Texas. I said, look, man, this is an all-in team because they are loaded just about everywhere they can be, and yeah. sometimes it's scary when you're an all-in team. Like you said, they're losing that they're losing a lot. Now I know the CJ Baxter's coming back. He's a, he's a talented. They've they've recruited well, but now you have to build back up to this point. Quinn's not going to be the quarterback when they get back up to this point. Odds are it's going to be Arch Manning if he lives up to his hype. I mean, this is look, this was a Texas team that it was was gearing up for last night.
1: Well, I will say this, Barry, and I I, I love this conversation because I, I I get where you're coming from, right? 14 years is 14 years, and if you look at it from the grand scheme and you zoom out, and it's like well, only one playoff appearance, all these things. But the difference is this. I I I, I live in Dallas. I I spoke to the team earlier this off season. Yeah. I go to practices. Like I've seen, I've been there when some of the other coaches have been there and some of them never even had an opportunity to actually win. Right. Some of the other coaches who were there was like, Hey, whether it was from the, the donors or it's like, you're not, you, you're not our guy. Other coaches weren't the right fit. Right. And you saw that very clearly talked to some of the players who were on that team, yeah. players who didn't commit to that team, other coaches. Sark is different. Yes. So, this so if you're going to zoom out you almost have to like perforate and like tear that part off and say hey this is a new page and a new chapter and if you want to start it from when start came right or start it from no, 2021, no, no. You
0: start- started from you started from
1: here boom you boom. started from the championship that
0: like boom. hey this is what i'm capable of bringing this wasn't the time but the time's yeah. come.
1: And to your point, Barry, Mac Brown used to always say when I when I played under him, he said the standard is the standard. Yeah, this is the standard. And what I, what I mean by this is college football playoff appearance appearances yeah. and then championships. Right. I don't think the way that Texas played was up to their standard. I mean, you saw they looked they looked like they were anxious. Yeah. Some of the, the first play penalty, fall, you know, illegal snap, right? First play on defense penalty. It was like they they looked anxious. So I don't think they played up to their standard. By any means, they played their best football. It's a whole whole different game, right? They played bad footballs, could have won, right? One second left. But the standard is now the standard for Texas. With Steve Sarkeesian and his play calling, with whether it's Quinn Ewers coming back or Arch Manning, right? My point is recruiting. With you going to the SEC, that's now a calling card. A lot of players wouldn't go to Texas. They'd go to other schools because, hey, you want to go play in the SEC, where it just means more, right? Like, well, hey, now we're in the SEC, now those players who committed elsewhere, like Quinn Ewers when he went to Ohio State, now nah, you can come back, come back home, right? Come back to Texas. Adonai Mitchell went to Georgia. He's from Texas, right? All of a sudden, that homegrown talent that was leaving, now they can come back. Why? Because you have a good coach, a good program, and also you're playing amongst the best.
0: Well, right, and we'll, and we'll get the television ratings for this later later in the week or even later today, but what what better way for Texas to start its new league than to get the showcase that it has all season. Because now you could say, hey, look, we came up short of winning the championship. Come play for us and help us win the championship. And it basically recruits itself. On the other side of it, Washington. They seemed to me, they had a couple of dudes. That, and, and to be fair to the college football audience in general, we're sickos because we have to work in it. And we're up late, college football final and everything in between. But not a lot of people saw Washington play this year not to the level that saw them last night. And if you thought that they were some soft West coast team, I'm just telling you that Michigan has its hands full. Even without Dylan Johnson, again, I'd be stunned if he played, they've got their hands full.
1: Bro. They need more hands to try to handle what Washington has to offer. One of the coaches, he, He's uh, the director of sports science, but also yeah. like a past rush coach, right? Does jujitsu. His name is Ben Creamer. He actually coached me when I was coming out for the combine. And I talked to him on the field yesterday. And I said, man, how are you feeling? He said, dude, they had a players only meeting yesterday. So the night before the game. Yeah. And apparently like the head coach wanted to meet. And Michael Pennis Jr. said, hey, no, coach, we got it. And this coach, Ben Creamer, said, hey, I don't know what was said in the meeting. All I know is that they came out and had their cleanest walkthrough ever, like all season long, right? And we, we, we Barry, you and I joke about walkthroughs before games, all these things. But my point is this, like, didn't make a mistake all throughout the walkthrough. What does that tell me? That means you're mentally focused, mentally sharp, not just one, not just 11, not just 22 offense and defense, but all 80 or 90 or whatever guys who were there, cleanest walkthrough, and it showed up. And so for me, the point is, What we saw from Washington was not an anomaly, right? What we saw from Michael Penix Jr., 430 yards, not an anomaly. What we saw from Roma Doomsday, contested catches, Jalen McMillan, touchdowns, Jalen Pope dominant play. What we saw from Devin Cole, not an anomaly. What we saw from that offensive line, I mean, Penix Jr. was chilling, like just hanging out, boom, lefty-lefty hanging out. He was directing traffic. He was directing traffic, bro, not an anomaly. What we saw from that defense... Not an anomaly, not an anomaly. Jaylen, uh, Braylon Trice came into that game. Oh, my gosh. Sticks sacks, bro. He lived in the backfield, right? Why is that? Is that a surprise? No, dude, he had 70 pressures this year. Last year, he had more pressures than Will Anderson, who was a top three NFL draft pick. And so um, uh, this defense for Washington, they can play. They can play. I, and I
0: just I love the matchup with with Michigan. I love it. Because now we've got a collision of styles. Now we have a collision of completely different mindsets into how we're going to play football. Both of them physical, physical in their own way. Uh, Both offensive lines. One won the Joe Moore Award. One's Michigan, so they're always up for the Joe Moore Award. The defensive line, the defense is, I mean, this is like, all right, I'm going to take my physical West Coast football and collide it with your physical Midwest football. I'm going to bring my receivers and who should be a top 10 quarterback against your running backs and a quarterback that if you do make a mistake, he will make you pay one versus two undefeated. That's why I love this matchup.
1: But even more so Barry, it's almost, and I mean, we could, we argue all the time and see you like off camera. So like we could argue about this if you'd like. Um, uh, But it's almost as if you have two teams of destiny and i and i'm not like one of those kind of guys or whatever but all i'm saying is this, bro michigan been through a lot dude michigan yeah. had their coach they suspended their coach stuff spending the first three games yeah. then the league suspended them the, the last three games um there was this uh sign stealing scandal right coaches getting fired like and then them all posting bet right them losing back to back in the cost football playoff then all of a sudden them changing their motto from hey they have this you know beat uh, beat Ohio drill. They changed to beat Georgia. Georgia didn't, Georgia didn't make it, but they beat Alabama, the right. team that people said, "Ooh, are they scared of?" Right? Right. It seems like you know team one forty four, right? Like this team and their quarterback and their defense, boom. And then you have Washington, who everyone is counted out. But to your point, we've been watching them. You've been watching them. Kaylin DeBoer, second year head coach. There's a lot of stories about second year head coaches who have won championships. A team that. And we heard it yesterday. Michael Penix Jr. said, he was like, dude, I came back here to win a championship. And I said it before the season, we're here to win. Some people, I don't think many people even say that because you got to be confident and be able to do it. But he means it, dude. That somebody told me he was like in the Pac PAC 12 championship game, right before like a game winning drive, whatever. He's sitting on the sideline, freestyling, chilling, kicking it, hanging out, right? Like he's not phased. And so, talk about a matchup of, talented receivers, right? Number one passing offense the last two years versus the number one defense. Yeah. Talk about a matchup of a running game with Blake Corum, right? And even I was there with Allstate, All Allstate Sugar Bowl. So like the Allstate State AFCA good works team captain. Blake Corum's in his community, giving back, serving somebody you want to root for. A run game like him. And then a, a Washington defense that has shown up every time they've been called upon. I mean, who do you pick?
0: You Right, because that's what I was going to follow up with. Like I, it's early in the week. It's Tuesday. I don't want to ask you for a pick this early, but you're right. Who do you pick? Who do you lean to? Here's, here's what I know to be true. Like, after all the complaining and the whining about who got in, and all that, these two teams are perfect to end the college football season. Because I said it when I was on with Feinbaum earlier, I was dead wrong about Michigan. I said all year that they were dominant. But oh, I didn't but they know. Been tested.
1: That's right. That's right. You did say that.
0: I didn't know if the dominance was going to play outside of the Big Ten because they played two games. They played Penn State and Ohio. I, I just didn't know. And then based on what we saw in some of the bowl games with what Ole Miss did to Penn State, I mean, just based on how the Big Ten, the Ohio State debacle, like all of that, you're thinking, well, what, what's going to happen next to Michigan? So I was dead wrong about that. They can play with anybody on the. And Washington, we've known to be strong all year. And so now it, it look. Could this be Jim Harbaugh's final game? I mean, there are so many sexy storylines coming into this one. Like, I I just don't – I hope fans really appreciate what they're being given in a week. I really, really do.
1: And I hope that – I hope we – not even hope. I'm very confident we're going to get a good game. And the reason why is both teams are together – and it's hard to beat a team that sure is talented and good coaching, right. but that's together. That's what Washington has. That's what they said. I listened to a lot of their seniors uh, give, you know, their kind of like final speeches or little thing they would say uh, you know, to their, their younger selves. Your testimony. Their coaches if you or whatever. Will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were all saying like, dude, we, we're together. We love each other. Like this but, is our season. But whatever. So
0: is Michigan with what they've been so through. Is
1: Michigan, dude. Right.
0: I mean, so it's it's going to be great. So, we're, look, we're going to figure this out. All I know is that we got treated to two phenomenal semifinals that came down to the final play. Each of them came down to the final play, and that is good for college football. So is Sam Acho here on the Matt Berry Show on the ESPN College Football YouTube channel.